Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to episode 96 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about how to train your brain. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got The Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational and let the marathon running podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond hey runners and welcome to episode 96 here we are ryan and letty we do a weekly running podcast on all things marathoning or training for regular runs we bring you the experts and the trainers nutritionists so what are you going to talk about today? Train the brain. Is it like psyching yourself up for running? No, but you know, my thing is, my big question is always, we have these 12 week long training plans or even 20 week long training plans for a marathon and we do all that physically, right? And then we can follow a nutrition plan, but there's really nothing that goes with a training plan that also helps you figure out how to train your brain because the brain is a big part of you know, what allows us to run a certain way. So in a literal sense, you're actually training your brain. Yes. So I know that there are some things. And obviously, once we introduce our um, person that we spoke with, we're going to have more about all that. But that is always my question. I know everybody's brain is very different and everybody has a different way of thinking. You know, just, I mean, even, even people that live in the same house, think differently and analyze things differently. And it's a hard thing to do, but it would be cool to have something to go with your training plan that you can do while you're training your body that'll help you become a better runner as well. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting because I think you've talked about like your mental game or things like that in other podcasts, like how to think about running or how to think about things, but never like how to do like training exercises for your brain. Yeah, so... That's what it's about? Kind of, yeah. I mean, I just can't stress enough how important it is that we also mentally prepare ourselves because when we're there physically, you know, a marathon is very long and inevitably you're going to get tired. So what are you going to do when you get there? Um, The training runs that we do for marathons are never 26 miles long. So we really never go through that experience until we're in the marathon. Yeah, and I think... um When you're racing, it's a little bit different psychology of it, too. Because when you're training, you don't have as much pressure as you do when you race. Yeah, or just do something that helps us practice, right? Because they say with our running nutrition, whatever you're going to eat on race day, you practice the weeks before what agrees with your stomach, what doesn't. Um, And then shoes, you know, you wear your shoes beforehand to practice. You practice all these things. So we should be practicing stuff with our brains, too. But there is a, a lot of information out there, but still very little for the average runners. Because obviously, once you hit that elite level, you're going to have a running psychiatrist or psychologist help you out and do some sort of brain training. 
But us average runners that have regular jobs and other stressors, probably arguably even more stressors, we don't have anything. So here we are. <laughs> and what I was going to say is like, you know, some possible things that you, you might do is potentially, you know, if you're going for a big race, you could also do other races or do more f like practice races or so, in which case so you kind of get yourself in that situation and you then are more aware of, you know, what's happening and maybe you're, you're better prepared for what's going to happen. Could be one way to train. Absolutely. You could maybe go to the where the race is before the race and just get familiar with the area. See, that is a very, very good tip. And I think a lot of people kind of do that. There are a few races, or I guess with YouTube now, you can see race courses and somebody ran with a camera so you can see the race course. I kind of feel like, to me, that works the opposite because then I know where I'm going to suffer, where... As I kind of go in blindly, I don't know the course because then I see it for the first time. So I guess whatever works for you. What else? Anything? Any other thoughts on how you can train your brain? What do you think? What would you do? I mean, you went to med school. We did a lot of tests that are at higher level and require a lot of repetitiveness. So you always told me, you know, before I took the bar exam, do a certain amount of questions and just kind of do them over and over. Yeah, to be more specific, I was saying that like in terms of the test taking, they can only ask so many topics. So the more you do, the more familiar you are with the topics. Even if they don't ask the same question, you can still get the answer correct just by knowing what they ask. And then also it's um I think part of that is also familiarity. You know, if you're doing questions, you're used to doing it, say you do them every day for a little while. Then when you're at the test, it's kind of like a routine that you already get, got in the habit of doing. You're not like, you're not stress, as stressed out, probably. I mean, you still be stressed out potentially, but um, you're not as stressed out. You get comfortable in your groove of like, you know, answering the questions, things like that. And I guess the same could apply for running. You know, I, I was even saying if you don't even watch like the whole race on YouTube, but like if you get, go to the finish line or go to the starting line and like kind of familiarize, familiarize yourself with those areas then you won't feel as stressed about that part of it. So you're kind of, you know, easing, I guess, part of part of the shock and the, the newness to everything. Yeah, that all makes sense. So, of course, we had to invite an amazing guest on. And who is that? So that is Dr. Michael Sachs, and he is a professor in the Department of Kinesiology at um, Temple University in Pennsylvania. He received his PhD in sports psychology from the, I'm sorry, Florida State University. I know there's rivalry, so I better say it correctly. He's co-authored a bunch of books and he consults about exactly that, the applied sports psychology. I heard him on another podcast, so... So I thought I would ask him to be a guest too, and I'm very glad that he agreed. So I can't wait to talk to him about all of my gazillion questions. Yeah, go Gators. <laughs> so not go Gators. And without any further ado, we're now going to hear from Dr. Michael Sachs. All right, so I'm here with Dr. Michael Sachs. Michael, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me today. I'm looking forward to it. All right. So let's see. Can you please tell us about yourself a little bit? Uh, sure. Well, <clears throat> my background is in exercise and sports psychology. Uh, I'm a retired professor from Temple University. I was there for uh, 30 years. 
And uh, uh, I've done a lot of research and written extensively on the psychology of running, uh, some books on the psychology of running, exercise, this therapy, uh, an integrated approach, uh, uh, research on addiction to exercise and the runner's high, uh, and so on. And that's sort of been my passion since I was in graduate school at Florida State back in the 1970s. And uh, I've been running ever since and reading about and writing about and interested in uh, uh, the psychology of running uh, since then. Perfect. So you're the perfect person for us to speak with today because today's episode is called Train the Brain. And here is my big question. Well, I can give my own answer, but I kind of want to hear it from you. So a lot of us are marathoners and half marathoners, and we download these training plans from online. And so we have a 12-week plan, and we know exactly that there are different phases of base training, half prep, and then full marathon prep, and then tapering. Um, unfortunately, that is not the case when it comes to training your brain. And how great would it be to have some kind of training plan that's 12 weeks long that tells you exactly what to do with your mind mentally exercises so you can get stronger and get through those 13.1 or 26.2 miles. So I know everybody is different and that's, I guess, my pitch for the answer. We all don't work the same up in the head and that's something that we really can't see. You know, with running, we can measure how fast we can run. We can watch that our gait is not perfect, but we don't know what's going on up there. So is that the reason why there is absolutely nothing like that out there where we can really have a regimented standard schedule of how we can improve our brains? Uh, that's an awesome question. Uh, <clears throat> I actually haven't had that one posed before. So, um, well, when we talk about uh, preparing for, uh, I'll use the word competition, but some individuals will approach a particular race uh, not as a competition per se. Um, uh, it is a competition in the sense of wanting to finish. And so you're competing with that uh, uncertainty, whether you will be able to finish the race or, or not. Uh, but many people think of competition in terms of beating other individuals or um, making a particular time. Maybe somebody wants to set a PR or a PB uh, kind of thing. So um, but here, in terms of preparing for a race, uh, we usually think about five different areas within psychological skills training. Uh, the first one of those is goal setting. And so you have your goal basically set, and you know that you want to compete in an upcoming uh, race or an upcoming event. And presumably, you have some short-term goals, which are tied in directly to the training program that you mentioned. So today, I'm going to run a certain distance at a certain time, certain repeats, uh, and so on. So your goals are pretty well set from a uh, training perspective. Uh, the second area that we look at is what we call arousal control or anxiety management. And so there the question is whether you are uh, anxious at all about the upcoming event. <clears throat> if you've run many marathons before, you may be quite comfortable, and this is just another one in your list of uh, races that you'll be running. But if you if it's your first marathon, for example, then uh, as you said, sort of a training program or a set of strategies to deal with that uh, anxiety would be would be great. 
there are some books out there that deal with the psychology of running, but I'm not sure there's a real training program per se. So maybe that's a wonderful idea for a book or a set of articles or, or so on. Um, the third area we often look at that I think would be ideal for individuals to use for preparation as a training program is imagery. Uh, a lot of people use the word visualization, uh, but the basic idea is that you're imagining the upcoming event, the upcoming race, and how you're going to approach it. You know, what are you going to uh, do if you're running a half marathon? Okay, you've got, you know, 13.1 miles to accomplish. That's going to take you an hour and a half, two hours, two and a half hours, three hours, however fast you run. And, you know, you can think ahead. What is that going to feel like? What's your strategy? Uh, what is the race course going to be like? What kind of um, environmental elements are you going to be coming across? So, you know, what's the weather going to be like? Uh, and so on. And so you can imagine that. And that's something that we would recommend that you start preparing for. So 12 weeks out is not a bad time to start thinking a bit about the race and how you're going to prepare for it. Um, the fourth area is, is attention or concentration. And there, <clears throat> that may be relevant during the event. If you find yourself distracted during the event, um, it, it's a little bit less relevant for a race. I mean, you know, during a race um, that you'll be thinking about other things at various times. So there's a concept called association and dissociation, which some of your listeners may have heard of. And so the idea of association is that you're associating with or tuning in directly with your body, uh, checking on your breathing, how your legs feel, uh, how your carriage is, are you leaning forward too much or so on, um, <clears throat> and then making adjustments accordingly. So assuming you want to run at 99, 100% of your capabilities for today, then you're making adjustments to make sure you're not going out too fast or not just sort of going out too slowly. Are you following your race plan, your pace and so on? Uh, but half marathon or marathons, long time to be out there and you can't concentrate that uh, intensely for that whole period of time. So you do a lot of other thinking and that's called dissociating, thinking about something other than the event in which you're participating. And uh, those usually have a couple of different forms. You could be dissociating internally where you might have already a set of things that you think about. You may be uh, you know, singing a song, writing a letter, doing math problems, whole variety of different dissociative strategies that people adopt. <clears throat> and then there's also the dissociative strategies that focus on the external environment. So some people like to look at other runners at the pavement in front of them. Uh, they may want to count the number of uh, lampposts or red cars or whatever it might be. Uh, but that attentional uh, piece it may also be relevant during training. So if you're going out <clears throat> for a long run, I still remember when I was in Tallahassee training for uh, the marathons that I ran, we would have you know, a 20-mile run on a Sunday morning. And, you know, that was a long time to be out there. So we'd have various things that we would think about. Or if you're running with somebody, you would talk with somebody. And that's sort of a form of dissociation as well. And then the last area is, is self-talk. 
And there the idea is what kinds of things do you say to yourself um, <clears throat> in preparation for the event, but also during the event? Are you, um, do you engage in positive self-talk? We're saying, you know, I'm ready for action. This is my day. I'm going to enjoy this run. This is great. This is awesome. Wonderful weather. Great people to run with. Or do you have a lot of self-doubt? Negative self-talk where you say, oh, I'm not sure I'm ready. I've got this little tweak. I'm feeling a little tired. It's been a long week, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously, we recommend that you approach a particular event like that with as positive a mindset as you can. If you start getting into the negative self-talk, then you're less likely to run well, to feel good about it, to be able to perform as you would <clears throat> like. I mean, you have your goals. Uh, if you're running a marathon, your goal might be simply to finish, which is great. Uh, but, <clears throat> but you may also have a time goal. So you may say, I want to run four hours, 3.30, whatever it might be. Or I want to do negative splits, um, <clears throat> two hours for the first half and an hour 50 for the second. Uh, those five areas are the ones that we usually touch on. Now, there are also areas that we sometimes explore in terms of mental toughness or resilience. And certainly runners who are running half marathons and marathons have a, a good deal of mental toughness and resilience in order to be out there running for that period of time. Um, and the other area we could also talk about is the idea of a pre-performance routine. So making sure that the week before, the day before, the morning of the race, you have a routine that you've uh, settled on that you know will be most likely to lead to success. So there may be a certain meal that you have the evening before you run a marathon, the carbo-loading kind of idea. <clears throat> but there may also be certain foods that you want to make sure that you avoid. So maybe if uh, uh, milk or ice cream or something doesn't agree with you before you go on a long run, then you would certainly avoid that before a particular race. So individuals have various strengths and weaknesses. So some individuals are strong in, in many of these psychological skills. So it's not necessarily something they need to work on per se. They don't need a training plan per se because they've already been trained over the years and they're good at these to begin with. Uh, but as you're saying, for some of the other skills, uh, perhaps uh, arousal control or imagery, uh, maybe they're not quite where they want to be and they could develop these more strongly. And that's where a training plan might be uh, might be very helpful. Yeah, I mean, thank you. You saw me taking notes. That's so much great uh, information. So I wrote them down. I'm going to summarize them for our listeners. So there's five different things we can do. Goal setting, arousal control or anxiety management, imagery or visualization, concentration and self-talk. So with all those, they seem to be things that we can do daily and implement in our training. So when we go for a run or we go for a hard run, we kind of start doing or get into the habit of doing the concentration. Or if we have, um, you know, a training run or a training race leading up to our goal or a goal race, we can work on our anxiety management. Visualization Absolutely. is something that we can do as you said, 12 weeks out, just kind of go through, I guess, a bunch of different things that could happen, you know, weather, obviously heat, cold, wind, not wind, the course, and then 
goal setting, the most obvious, which is we want to hit a certain pace for a marathon or even just to work up our endurance to where you can finish it. And then self-talk is something that we can also practice daily. Um, so I really, really like all of these and think we should implement them maybe daily. But then, of course, there's always uh, the other part that you said, the mental toughness and resilience, which I feel like after having run many marathons myself in the past, it's something that we struggle with because I guess it goes a little bit hand in hand with the self-talk, but we start making excuses for ourselves. So my own favorite excuses when I'm running a race lately <laughs> that comes up is I stop pushing myself and I start thinking, you know, my family's going to love me anyway. They don't really know the difference of whether I finish this five minutes faster or five minutes slower. And that's okay, you know, because I was on the path of staying healthy. But what if we want to just become tougher and we don't want to hear that voice and we want to shut it out because we did invest the last three to four months into training. How do we get mentally tougher? Absolutely. And that's a great question. So there, you know, a little depends on the goal. If, if part of your goal is to run um, as fast and complete the, the race, um, you know, as strongly as, as you can, um, and you are, as you say, you're anticipating that you your body might be telling you, uh, hey, this pace is a little faster than feels comfortable, <clears throat> and I'd like to pull back a little bit. And as you said wonderfully, my family will still love me, and nobody will really know that, you know, I, I pulled back a little bit and didn't push as hard as I could. Uh, then the question is, uh, um, or the wonderful opportunity that we have is during training as well, but here during the race, uh, is that you can prepare for that. So you can, you know now, even if the race is 10 weeks out, four weeks out, whatever, that that might happen, that during the second part of the race, maybe you've been out there for three hours and, and you're starting to feel it a little bit and your goal is, uh, you know, 350, let's say, you know, you still got 50 minutes left. That's not an inconsequential amount of time. Uh, but you're feeling like, yeah, maybe if I ease off a little bit, 355 is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but you'd really like to shoot for that 350. So then how do you deal with that? <clears throat> and what we often recommend is, is, is two aspects. So one, uh, as you say, importantly, there's that self-awareness piece that you catch yourself doing that and you're able to anticipate that up front. So during your training, during your thinking, you say there may come a point <clears throat> sorry, during the race when I may think about uh, pulling back a little bit, um, uh, reeling it in a little bit. And I don't really want to do that. <clears throat> you know, I want to keep going and I want to be strong through the end of the race. And so the strategy that we recommend then is to have some sort of mantra. Uh, it could be something physical where you maybe take your um, hand and you form a circle or a little fist or you tap your wrist or something like that. But it's usually something verbal. And it might be just a phrase where you say strong or pace or <clears throat> finish or Maybe you have somebody that you admire, uh, an elite uh, 
runner, you know, Molly Seidel or Eliud Kipchoge or Sarah Hall or or somebody, and you say, you think back, you know, she or he wouldn't let up. He or she would go strong to the finish, and that's what I want to do. So you can keep it up. <clears throat> and maybe it's a question of just go strong to the next uh, checkpoint or to, to the next traffic light or whatever. It could be strong pieces. If you've got 50 minutes left, you know, you may have another six miles to go, and that may seem like a long way to go. Well, break it up. You've already gone 20 miles. So break it up into quarters, half miles, whatever it might be. All right, let's just go strong to the next aid station, <clears throat> get some water, drink a little bit, and you know you can slow down for 10 seconds there or whatever while you have your water, and then say, good, now I'm gonna go strong again and keep it up to the next aid station. So you can break it up into to pieces. But the basic idea is that that mantra would then refocus you on your goal, which is to basically be running at, you know, 100% and not pulling back a bit. Um, now, you may just, you know, it's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with deciding to pull back a little bit and saying, you know, it's a little harder today than I like, uh, uh, more tired than I'm used to. I shouldn't be this tired at, you know, 20 miles and, uh, today's just not going to be the day to set a PR to achieve that goal. And that's perfectly fine. There'll be other races to, to do that. Uh, but if that's not what you want to do, then uh, then you want to keep plugging along. You, you don't want to finish the race wondering the what if, if I had kept pushing and, and so on. <clears throat> uh, we did an interesting research study. Uh, one of my master's students um, now has gotten her PhD and so on. Anna Marie Yeshka uh, did a wonderful study with ultra distance runners. And one of the interesting findings there was uh, looking at the concept of a DNF uh, did not finish. And particularly, you know, ultra distance runners are going 100 kilometers or many of these runners were going 100 miles. And for them, one of the badges of honor was not, uh, not getting a DNF, the idea that they would be able to to finish a hundred miler. Now, maybe, you know, if they got injured at mile 50, you know, they could do a mental assessment that say, well, I know I can probably limp through the next 50 miles and finish because that's part of our culture. Uh, but that really wouldn't be very smart because I'll probably be out for six months with this injury. If I stop now, do a DNF, then maybe I'll just be out for a few weeks or a month. And what should I do? And the runners talked about that being a very challenging thing for them, that it was very difficult for them to DNF during such a race because that was going against the culture of finishing no matter what. And so to draw that analogy here, you know, you're in a, in a marathon and you're at the three hour mark and you know you've got another 15 minutes to go or so on. And you could pull back a little bit and say, you know, that's, you know, I'm okay. I, I want to be a little bit more comfortable here. Um, but is that what you really want? You know, assuming there's no injury related or so on, or you're not at your risk of bonking out because you haven't drunk enough fluids or something like that, then that kind of mantra can help you push forward. Now, if this is your first marathon or your first half, uh, I'm not sure I would recommend that. Uh, I, I would recommend making this a uh, 
an enjoyable experience and pushing yourself to 100% is not necessarily the best strategy for your first half or your first marathon. So enjoy the race, enjoy the run, you know, go at 80, 90%, uh, uh, whatever, you know, find out what it feels like to run 13 miles, 26 miles, uh, um, whatever the distance is. And then, you know, if you want to go for a time or age group placing or so on in future events, that's great. Uh, but if you're an experienced runner, experienced marathoner, and you've got a particular goal and so on, uh, you'll do your assessment. How do you feel? You know, physically, are you okay? Uh, what's the, you know, what are the temperatures like? If it's, you know, 85 and high humidity, that might not be the best day to keep pushing, pushing, pushing toward the end. But if the conditions are right and you're feeling okay, and the only thing that might be holding you back from finishing strongly is that, you know, you'd sort of, it would be more comfortable to pull back a little bit than that mantra or that physical manifestation, whatever it is, tapping your wrist or, or so on. Uh, uh, maybe something that you call into play so that you can keep pushing and then you'll finish and say, I left it all out there. I'm, I'm happy with how I did. And if you wind up 349, great. If you wind up 351 or whatever, you know, and your goal was 350, all that is perfectly fine. But that's something that you can prepare for. Those are the kinds of things that we, uh, talk about in terms of, uh, uh, you know, attentional focus and uh, arousal control or anxiety, you know, while you're in a race uh, and so on. You know, if the weather all of a sudden turns bad, starts raining, sleeting, say, okay, well, today's not going to be the day. I can't run fast in this envir environment. Uh, there are also personal conditions. Some people run wonderfully when it's hot and humid, and other people know that once it gets above 75 and 75% 75 humidity, they just cannot perform well physically. They just are not capable of doing that. They're great at, you know, at, at uh, um, temperatures and humidity that's more suitable for them. So then the smartest thing is just to pull back a little bit. You don't want to try to kill yourself out there when you know your body's just not capable of performing during those kinds of conditions. So, uh, but as I said, that's the kind of thing you can prepare for. And then you've got ready for action. It's like having those positive affirmations during the run. You've got that negative self-talk coming in, uh, feeling kind of tired, not sure I can do this. And then you do a realistic assessment and say, is this really the case? So yeah, I'm feeling a little tired, but that's how I always feel when I run, do my long training run. So time to kick in those positive affirmations. You can do it, you know, power through strength uh, and so on. Let's go for it. Uh, and then, you know, you put that in and you've tried that during your training runs and they work. Yeah. Thank you. Those are wonderful tips. I like the idea of mantras and I also really like the idea of doing something that's more physical, like tapping yourself on the wrist, just, you know, kind of like <laughs> pushing a reset button. I haven't tried that one before, so maybe that'll, that'll work better. Um, when it comes to mantras, how does one find when I know every individual is different and some words speak deeper to you than others, but what would be a good guidance on how we could find something that works for us? Yeah, great question. Well, with the physical one, yeah, sometimes occasionally, you know, you can push a button in the middle of your forehead, as you say, the reset button, but, uh, you know, whatever works for you. Um, 
the mantra, I mean, if you look online, there are a whole variety of mantras uh, out there that are available. Uh, if people want to contact me, we have some lists of those also. But um, the, the basic idea is <clears throat> finding a word or a phrase um, that's most meaningful for you. And each individual is different. So, you know, they can be very short phrases like strength, power, um, strong, flow, uh, whatever sort of word or phrase might be meaningful to you. I, uh, I have always used a phrase, carpe diem, you know, seize the day has always been a meaningful phrase to me. There's a group called the Dead Runner Society which was a play on the Dead Poet Society, which talked about Carpe Viam, which is seize the road, you know, that might be meaningful uh, to you. Um, as I mentioned, it could be a, an inspirational person. <clears throat> so I might think, uh, you know, Eliud Kipchoge is something I, somebody I admire, um, or Joni Benoit Samuelson, uh, uh, you know, as a runner. Uh, you know, there are a whole variety of runners whom you may look up to that you would use for inspiration. And so just saying their name may conjure some images of, of that. It could be an image of uh, a gold medal crossing the finish line. So, so the mantra doesn't necessarily have to be verbal, a phrase. It could be an image that you think about. And, um, you know, maybe it's... Uh, you know, sitting on the couch, uh, you know, when you get home later on and, and having a beverage of your choice and relaxing in an air-conditioned um, environment and just savoring, you know, having accomplished your goal and finished the, the run and so on. So, um, so I think the idea, as you say, would be finding something that's personal. Uh, you don't have to share it with anybody else if you don't want to, but uh, but something that would be meaningful for you that would be that Recess, reset button <clears throat> that would power you along and that would be the impetus to, to keep on going at the pace that you want to uh, keep on going. Yeah. You could write a few down and try them out and maybe some will work and some won't. But as I said, there are a whole variety uh, uh, of those that one could uh, <clears throat> select. But the important thing is, is to find something that's meaningful for you and to use that to your advantage. It'll be helpful to look at your list, obviously, too, because you've done that from a from a different um, standpoint, but to kind of see what, what works for each one of us. Um, I do like the Carpe Viam one that's kind of kind of funny. Um, so yeah, so then the other thing you mentioned also that you could talk about is the peak performance routine. And I guess that helps us mentally because we set ourselves up in the perfect uh, situation where going into race, say, the whole week beforehand, we've done everything in our power to make sure that we are at the starting line to accomplish whatever goal it is that we have. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, I mean, the week before, for example, it's, uh, I don't know if the word is traditional. I mean, I think it it's... Uh, has a sound basis in training strategy, but runners will often start tapering the week before, particularly for a marathon, but maybe a half as well. <clears throat> and now tapering in some cases can be uncomfortable in the sense that you're used to running uh, a lot, maybe every day and so on. And now your, your training program suggests to scale back a little bit. 
And so, you you know, your last 20 miler was uh, two, three weeks ago, and you're not doing that the weekend before you're going to run a marathon. Um, I, I suspect that most training programs are like that, but, you know, maybe some are different. But anyway, the basic idea of a taper, but that's something that you can anticipate, that you'll feel a little uncomfortable in the sense that you'll be antsy to go out for a run. You want to go out for a long run and feel like you're got all this great training behind you and this great energy and you want to let it loose. Well, the idea is, yes, you want to let it loose, but on Sunday or Saturday, not on Thursday, you know, and so on. So you can anticipate that, but that's part of your peak performance routine and, and think of yourself as a um, container where you're enjoying filling up the container with all this awesome energy, as opposed to draining it on a daily basis and then trying to feel, you know, refill it every day. Here you're, you're keeping it there and you're letting it percolate so that it will be able to come out to explode and wonderful uh, running on the Saturday or Sunday when you have your race. Um, but then you, you know, particularly if this is uh, not your first race, but you've been there for a while, then you know what works for you uh, the night before and the morning of. You have a list of things that you are preparing. So there's the physical stuff of making sure your, um, you know, your your running shoes and your singlet or t-shirt, whatever it might be, all the stuff you're going to wear, uh, are you bringing along, do you have goo stuff that you use during a race? You know, what kinds of things do you uh, keep with you? Uh, uh, do you have a routine? Do you like to you know, uh, kiss the kids goodnight in a certain way uh, because you'll be gone in the morning before they wake up? Or, um, you know, do you like to just go for a walk in the neighborhood? Do you like to have a nice talk with a, a friend or something like that? Is there an inspirational movie that you watch? There are a couple of movies about Steve P. Fontaine, for example, that maybe you like to watch that. Um, do you have a playlist that you like to listen to? Uh, uh, some races will allow you to have headphones and people like to run with those. So is your playlist ready for action? Or uh, if not, then you may have just an internal playlist. You like to play some songs yourself during a race. You don't need the external person singing it. You can do that to yourself. So, so, you know, so as you were saying, you identify what your performance routine is that works for you the week before, the night before, the morning of, and then you put that into play. You can do some imagery with that and so on, but you have that ready for action. Uh, most people like to try to get a uh, good night's sleep before a race. Uh, there's some good uh, research that suggests that it's often challenging to sleep well the night before a big race. And what some of the research suggests is that the most important night for getting a good night's sleep is two nights before a race. Because you know up front that the night before the race, you're going to have trouble sleeping because you're excited and you're anticipating that. So, you know, don't really worry about that. You'll get some rest and you'll be ready and it's not going to hinder you uh, dramatically during a race by any means. Uh, but if you haven't slept well two nights before and three nights before, then you're going to be tired and it's going to be a little tougher to run well. Uh, but the night before isn't as big a deal as, for example, two nights before and three nights before. But that's all part of a pre-race uh, routine, as you said, the peak performance routine. And just knowing 
knowing in advance, particularly if you have a lot of experience in races, what works for you and just put that into play. Don't don't uh, mess with success. Don't try some new meals the night before, the morning of, you know, go with what works for you. And, you know, that'll be the most likely recipe to be successful, both in terms of the specific goals, finishing a race, time and so on. Uh, but also what I emphasize the most for most individuals is is having fun, enjoying the race, enjoying what you're doing, uh, reveling in the idea that, you know, I'm a person who can run this kind of distance and run well and run comfortably and enjoying the fact that you're able to do that, that you're in a wonderful community of other runners who are enjoying that as well. And so it's a wonderful culture to be a part of and a wonderful thing to be able to do. Not everybody can can run those kinds of distances. And so you should be proud of being able to do that and and enjoy that, uh, enjoy the experience. Yeah, and I agree. And I think that is really the bottom line when it comes to all things running, that we have to have a love for it because if not, everything else is really useless because who wants to go out and do these mile repeats or 200s and bad weather unless you really have a heart in the right place when it comes to running. So thank you so much. And if our people would like to reach you or know more about you, do you have an online presence or can they email you? How is the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, the best way would probably be uh, email and uh, um, msachs, M-S-A-C-H-S at temple, T-E-M-P-L-E dot E-D-U. Uh, that's probably the best way to reach me. Uh, uh, I'll have to dig up that uh, mantra list that uh, we developed. Uh, I do have a couple of websites that will be coming uh, into play in uh, uh, in a few weeks and so on. So I'll send that to you when they're uh, ready. But at the moment, it'd probably be best just for people to uh, email me and then I can try to answer their questions or uh, can make some recommendations on some books they might want to read uh, and so on. Be happy to do that. Yes. And if you're the first one to develop the app that goes along with your 12-week training plan for brain training, please let me know. I will be your uh, beta tester and first customer for that. Ah, great. Okay. Thank you. Well, as I said, that's an excellent idea and uh, I'll have to keep that in mind. Uh, uh, maybe you can collaborate on that and come up with something that uh, that works for uh, for folks. So. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, thanks very much. Have a great run, everybody. Thank you, Dr. Sachs, so much for giving us this amazing information. I will be sure to, well, and we're sharing it here on the podcast, and I'll be applying it to my own racing, which is uh, going to be exciting. And I will report back to you on how it went. Yeah, hopefully people will find it useful. They always do because we bring in the best guests. So thanks again. And with that, happy running. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, head to www.runningpodcast.us. And as always, have a great week of running.